Hi, everyone. Uh, when I was uh, a young associate pastor many, many years ago, uh, I was designated to meet with this outreach uh, team known as the Board of Evangelism, which uh, sponsored an annual event called Bring a Friend Sunday, which is exactly what it sounds like. And uh, church members uh, were encouraged to invite their friends, their neighbors, and their colleagues to worship with them on a certain specific Sunday with the promise that we would spruce up the church, uh, we would sing songs that were singable, uh, we would kick up the refreshments a notch or, or two, and we would otherwise just kind of roll out the red carpet and welcome people uh, into our church. And it actually worked out very well. So that the following year, uh, we had not one, but two Bring a Friend Sundays, uh, which also went very well, so that it was then reported to the governing board, known as the Church Council, uh, that we were on a roll and uh, plans were underway to have a Bring a Friend Sunday once every quarter. Well, that turned out to be a little much for one person who uh, raised their hand and said, hey, wait, wait a minute. First it was once a year, now it's twice a year, now it's going to be once a quarter. I mean, what is this? Pretty soon you keep going like this, every Sunday is going to be Bring a Friend Sunday around here. You know, <laughs> it took me everything I had not to say what I was thinking. So hope happens here through dynamic education, through faithful worship, through compassionate service. And today in our installment in this uh, fall series, hope happens here through gracious outreach, which is to say the things that you and I say and that we do and the places that we are willing to go, the situations that we're willing to enter in, in order to communicate in a very clear way the good news of Jesus, his salvation, his hope, his comfort, his forgiveness, his peace, his love, in every calm and every storm, not only to our friends, but also to strangers who by God's grace become friends in Jesus, the bringer of hope, the giver of life. Uh, last week, if you were here, I said that uh, I thought compassionate service was in the DNA of this congregation, and I do believe that that is true. But let me also remind you that this is a church that gets its very name from a man named Andrew, who is known more than anything else for one thing, and that is introducing his brother to Jesus. Going to his brother whose name was Peter and saying, we have found the Messiah. And then he brought Peter to Jesus in a way that changed the world. Well, uh, today, as you heard a moment ago, we're being called back to compassionate service on behalf of our uh, stricken brothers and sisters uh, who were in the path of the hurricane down in Florida and in other places. And yet in the midst of that compassionate service, I can't help but think of the words of another Florida pastor of all people who said that everything in this world, minus Jesus, is still nothing. And nothing that this world can give us, plus Jesus, is still everything. And so when we think about uh, gracious outreach in the family of God that we are here, whether that uh, means bringing a friend to church with you some Sunday or, or just talking about and sharing your faith in a way that might help to uh, introduce or reintroduce somebody else to Jesus, or whether it has to do uh, with the things that we actually do together here as a community of faith in our congregation. As usual, the scriptures give us guidance and direction and help to understand what that actually look like, looks like and how it really goes. 
Most notably, there is, of course, uh, the Lord's Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, when after the resurrection, Jesus says to his followers, you go, and as you go, make disciples of all nations, the word for nations being the word ethne, which is ethnic. All nations, all ethnic people, so that nobody is excluded or left out or is off limits, because that would be a sin. In Acts chapter 1, just before the ascension, Jesus says to his followers, you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, pretty tall order for 11 guys. And roughly analogous to him saying to you and me today, Baltimore, Washington, Maryland, the United States of America, and the rest of this entire world. In the first letter of St. Peter, we are called to always be ready to give an account of the hope that lies within us with gentleness and with respect. And so last Wednesday at Common Ground, I was leading a course on spiritual autobiography, and I reminded the group uh, that the role of a witness is not to force or to coerce an outcome. The role of the witness is simply to testify, to tell your story to say, this is what I've seen, this is what I've experienced, and let the Spirit take it from there. And what would it be like if you really thought that through and you got your story together so that you are ready to give an account of the hope that lies within you with gentleness and with respect? And of course, you know, all of it comes ultimately uh, from that one verse that many believe is the theme verse for Paul's entire letter to the Romans, where he says in chapter 1, and as you heard a moment ago, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of salvation to those who believe. And that guy would know, because the power of the gospel rocked his world, changed his life, turned everything inside out, and with what if every believer was not ashamed of the gospel? What if we all were ready to give an account of the hope that lies within us? And so when I think about the idea of gracious outreach, I think of this church bearing the name of Andrew that was born in 1949, height of the baby boom. And by its 11th birthday, was already giving birth to another congregation in nearby Rockville. I think of a church uh, that prior to the outbreak of the pandemic was planting the seeds of ministry in Howard County. And I imagine that one of these days the Spirit will call us to renew that conversation as our time of renewal and reunion continues here in Silver Spring. Last week I shared with you that St. Andrew is a church that has sponsored refugees, including a young Buddhist man from Vietnam, a Muslim family of four from Bosnia. What I didn't tell you last week is that that family of four was baptized into the family of God here at St. Andrew. What I didn't tell you is that young Buddhist Vietnamese man who didn't even know who Jesus was is now a Lutheran pastor. Uh, not because of force or, co or coercion, but because the story was told, an account was given, because compassionate service evolved into gracious outreach that changed the lives of sisters and brothers who have been welcomed, to whom 
the message of Jesus and his welcome in Christ has been extended in ways that continue to rock this world. I should also tell you, on the other hand, to be honest with you, uh, that St. Andrew, the church that bears the name of this man who introduces his brother to Jesus is part of a domination that according to uh, the Pew Research Center is one of the two whitest and least ethnically diverse denominations in America today. And St. Andrew would have been one of those congregations actually in its early years until a woman named Irma Cuellar and her son Gerald joined this congregation. And now, today, you can go down to the commons after the service, check out a video screen next to the elevator, and watch it scroll the flags of more than 32 countries representing not the ancestry, but the homelands of the current members of this congregation, which is a way of saying to you, I think you're exception to the rule. And you may have taken that word, ethne, seriously. And so this is a church that has hosted a Hispanic mission for 10 years. This is the church that by God's grace has hosted an Asian American mission organization for another 10. And then uh, one day I met this Ethiopian pastor by the name of Yared Halchek who shouted at me across a crowded hallway at a church convention and he said, hey, 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 I want to talk to you. I want to visit you. Well, he visited me. And then he met you. And another gracious outreach was born. And it led us to a missionary intern here at St. Andrew by the name of Mengesha Gelashibru from the Ethiopian Evangelical Church Makana Jesus by way of Concordia College in New York where he was studying. And as part of those studies came here to be our intern in outreach to the Amharic uh, speaking communities. And through that ministry, God began to light up the board here at St. Andrews. So that by the time that internship was over, uh, we wanted to keep this guy. And so we made him our director of multi-ethnic uh, mission and outreach to Amharic speaking people and now to those uh, who speak other languages than Amharic. But in order to keep him here, we had to bring his uh, wife, Maren, and their three children uh, from Ethiopia to America, uh, which they were willing to do for the sake of this mission. In fact, uh, Mangesha and Mary are so committed to the growth of this ministry that they even carried out some biological evangelism uh, in the form of their twin sons, Caleb and Ezra. They look a lot alike. <laughs> and now, more than 150 people are being served with the gospel in their cultural context on a regular basis, about half of which are present here in this house every Friday night, including last Friday night for worship in the Amharic language, for Bible study, for fellowship. Every Saturday afternoon, for classes and workshops and other compassionate ministries, which we pray lead to gracious outreach, to continued and growing participation in things like we worship, first communion class, confirmation instruction, youth ministry, and also worship in English here as dozens of you 
have become members of this congregation in a place where we don't just host or house a ministry, but where we are one family together in Jesus. And by the way, uh, just as an aside, may interest you to know that in the year 1900, there were 9 million Christians in the continent of Africa. 9 million in 1900. It is now 2022. It is estimated that by the year 2025, there will be more than 630 million Christians on the continent of Africa. Making Makana Jesus uh, the largest Lutheran denomination in the world and way bigger than all the Lutheran denominations in North America combined and making the explosive growth of African Christianity one of the headliner stories in the history of global religion. But I digress. In the meantime, the work goes on through organizations like Lutheran Women in Mission, uh, through our global mission team here at St. Andrew, which uh, make the gospel flow through a sound system that you purchased for a church in Liberia, known by one of our members here, as they also sit on pews that you provided for their church and did so this very day as they listen to the gospel being proclaimed by their pastor. And I will never forget how you, about 14 years ago now, came to the corner of New Hampshire Avenue and Norwood Road, and you built a house that was bigger than the one you needed. For people you did not know, who you had not yet met because of the mission of Jesus, because of a message that you can't stop talking about, because you want the kingdom to grow here on earth and someday in heaven. And I don't talk about this all the time, but I will tell you, there are very few weekends that go by when I don't look at somebody here who came since that time and I think, you're one of the answers to that prayer. Uh, you're the dream coming true. You're the person we've been getting ready for, we've been preparing for, and now here you are. From up the street, across the county, from Washington, from Baltimore, from Charlestown, West Virginia, from 8,000 miles away for the glory of God. And I will never get over that. And yet for all of the things that we do together as a congregation or a community of faith, uh, it doesn't escape me uh, that most of it really comes down to your own personal, individual, gracious outreach as you share the hope that lies within you and extend the welcome of Jesus to the people in your life. And how do I know that? Well, I know it because when people join our congregation, I ask them, well, how did you find your way here? What brought you here? And there are a lot of different answers, and they have a lot of variety, but there is a thread and there is a theme, and it sounds like, oh, my sister goes here, my wife brought me, I work with somebody who's a member here, they invited me. I was in a class with somebody who invited me. I met somebody at the gym. They're a member of our church, and here I am. Uh, one woman 
uh, Barbara Matulo uh, was a teacher at the high school our kids attended. She said, oh, your daughter invited me. Uh, another woman years ago, Sandra Pointer, uh, she came and she said, well, I want to invite you know, my daughter and her, her husband and, and their children uh, to St. Andrew. And I, you know, I just started goofing around and I, I was kidding her and I said, you know, if you bring your family here, you will get a free toaster from the Lutheran Church of St. Andrew. And she laughed. Well, she did bring them and they did join the church and I gave her a toaster. You know, then other people started coming up to me, you know, well, hey, I brought my friend, where's my toaster? And, you know, uh, one guy, you know, how many for a microwave? And, you know, just, you know, all that stuff. You know, so we cut that out. I mean, this is not what we're about. Uh, but here they are, you know, by the grace of God. And I also know uh, that there have been more people than I can count who, who came here and they said, wow, not only did I feel welcome here, I felt wanted here which I imagine is not every single person's experience because we are by no means a perfect church and we got a lot of growing and working uh, still to do, except to say to you that in your life, there is never gonna be a higher privilege or a greater joy than to know that somebody in this world has their name written in the Lamb's Book of Life because God used you to get it there. And to help them to know that in every calm, and in every horrific storm of life. Everything in this world minus Jesus is still nothing. And nothing this world can give you. Plus Jesus is still everything. And so when Paul writes this letter to the Christians who are part of the church in Rome, it was because he wanted to get there personally and proclaim this good news to them for the sake of a harvest of souls, in his words, to Jews and also to Greeks. In other words, not to some people, but to all people. I mean, all the ethne of the entire world. Here's a guy who was thrown into prison in Philippi. He was kicked out of Thessalonica. He was laughed at in Athens. He caused a riot in Ephesus. And he still could not stop talking about the good news of hope, peace, freedom, salvation, love, meaning and purpose in Jesus. He could not stop talking about it. He would not be intimidated by the philosophers in Athens. He would not be intimidated by the emperor in Rome himself. If I can get so excited about the fact that my team won the big game in overtime with seconds to spare, that I go around talking about it the next day, all day long. Maybe I can get excited about the fact that my brother is the living God and that he has rocked my world and he has rocked yours and he can turn this world upside down as we extend the gracious welcome of Jesus and share his good news with gentleness and with respect. That is why we bring a friend. That is why we welcome a stranger. That is why we get ourselves ready to an account for the hope that lies within us with gentleness and with respect for the glory of Jesus, for the hope of the world, and in a community that bears the name of a fisherman named Andrew. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen.